Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. What is going on, everybody? Yeah, Scott Kaplan back in for Jim Rome. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance yours, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there for home loan solutions that fit your life. Rocket can. What is happening to all the clones around the country listening on radio? To everybody who's watching on CBS Sports Network, to all of my radio listeners in Southern California, my great friends down in San Diego who listen daily on 1090, to my circle of trust, all my listeners in L.A. on 710, the Sedano and Cap community, glad to have everybody along here on a Thursday afternoon. You know, Jim gets a lot of vacation. Jim takes a lot of vacation. Jim called me after the last time I hosted the show and he said, hey, Kaplan. I said, yes, sir. He said, did you go into my radio studio wearing a pair of shorts, hosting the Jim Rome show, wearing shorts? And I said, because I thought about lying. I was like, maybe I should tell him no, I didn't. But I know that it was caught on video. And I know that he was monitoring the whole situation from Wisconsin. So I admitted it. I said, yes, Jim, I was wearing shorts and I was wearing flip-flops. And he said, why would you do such a thing? And I said, because I wanted to be TV professional up top. I wanted to be radio casual down below, and it was hot AF in Southern California at the time, so I went for it. And Jim said to me, in 30 years of hosting this show, I have never one time worn a pair of shorts, so um, maybe you should not do that again. And I thought to myself, wow, here I come. I'm back today. Maybe I should rock some shorts, but I didn't. I didn't. I mean, come on. I mean, out of respect, to the king of sports radio, I was like, all right, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to stand up and show you. Yes, I promise you, I am wearing pantalones today. I am not wearing shorts. But I will tell you this, uh, as we just get on the air and we got a lot of stuff we want to get to today, here's where my mind's at. Yes, I want to talk about Aaron Judge and getting to 61 home runs last night. We'll definitely get there. And Casey Stern, that's my baseball analyst, Casey Stern will be here and we'll talk to Casey about that. Uh, I definitely, definitely want to talk about Miami and Cincinnati tonight and the kickoff of week four around the NFL. We'll get there. Um, Andrew Brandt is going to be by. Jim Nance will be here coming up in this early hour. So stay tuned for a lot of NFL talk. My mind is set on some college football coming up this weekend. My man Yogi Roth is going to be by. And as we get ourselves set for week four around the NFL, Dr. David Chow is going to stop by and we're going to talk a lot about injury issues around the league, particularly around Tua and this game tonight between Miami and Cincinnati. But before we get started, I want to tell you guys, um, I have this like recurring nightmare all the damn time. And it's always about the same thing. I have this nightmare about being late to everything. And so because I have this nightmare, I always try and be extra early to stuff. The nightmare that I always have is um, I'm playing college football and um, the game is going on and I'm not at the game and I'm supposed to be the starter for my team, you know, and I get to the game. It's like, I don't know, two, three minutes into the third quarter. I rush into the locker room. I get my uniform on. I come out to the sideline. I say, coach, I'm here. <laughs> I'm finally here, coach. I'm here. And the coach looks at me and he goes, hey, moron, we don't need you anymore. You showed up late. Take the uniform off. Get out of here. So I have this whole thing about being late. Last night, 
I was in this crazy, crazy deep sleep. And there's that nightmare. I'm going to show up late to the Jim Rome show. And in this dream that I was having last night, and it's super vivid for me, um, I'm, I went out on a bike ride, which, and by the way, my bicycle is hanging in my garage because I haven't been on my bike because since COVID, the PCH highway is just littered with a bunch of amateurs who don't know how to ride bikes, and it is freaking dangerous out there. So I had this dream last night. I'm on my bike, and I'm uh, riding along, and, and thank you, Alvy. And here come all these riders at me. And I know I'm on the right side of the road, and they're on the wrong side of the road. And we hit each other head first. And now I'm down. And I'm giving these guys a hard time. I'm going, yo, yo, what, what are you guys doing, man? You guys are on the wrong side of the road. And I notice that they're all wearing team jerseys with my favorite charitable organization called the Challenge Athletes Foundation. And so I take my phone out and I start taking pictures of these guys like I'm going to tell on them, like I'm going to tattletale on these guys. Do you know who these guys are? They were riding on the wrong side of the road. So now, again, remember, this is all about being late. So I go ahead, I start taking pictures of these dudes, and now I got to get back on my bike because I look at my watch and I'm like, I have one hour until the Jim Rome show starts, and I'm out here on my bike. I got to get home, get cleaned up. I got to drive, and I know it's going to take me a good hour to get to Jim's studios. So I realize now I've got a flat on the back of my t- – um, This is I swear to God, this is all my dream last night. It's vivid like I should write this all down. So I, I, I have a flat tire. I run my bike to a friend of mine's house. Nobody's home. His wife pulls up. She's got her kids. She puts me on one of those like stand-up pedigo kind of bike thingies, you know, like an elliptical. And she's riding me up this hill. <laughs> and her daughter's on the back of the bike. And the daughter is crying. I don't want to go. I don't. And I'm begging and pleading with an eight-year-old, please, please, I'm going to be late to host the Jim Rome show. Please get me home. She's, she's crying. I get off the bike. I go running to the house. I get there. I don't know what's going on, but somehow I believe that in this dream, I got to Jim's house. Now I'm in Jim Rome's house and I need to borrow a shower because I got to shower and get to the show. And Jim is there and his family's there. And then don't ask me why, but Bob Dylan showed up. Okay. I don't, I don't really know why Bob Dylan showed up, but Bob had gifts for Jim and Jim had gifts for Bob. And all I knew was I needed to go into the shower and get cleaned up to the to get to the show. And there was this weird like litter box in Jim's bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Does Jim have a cat? I don't even know. But it was a mess. It was a complete. He, oh, he does. He has a cat. And Jim's got this cat and there's this litter box and it's dirty and gross. And I'm disgusting because I just came off this bike ride. And I'm trying to get showered and cleaned up. And then I come out of the shower. And now there's like this weird party going on at Jim's house with Bob Dylan. And now my mom is there. And my mom starts taking pictures with Bob Dylan. And she's... Your mom. I'm going to say this. She's kind of like being inappropriate to Bob Dylan in a weird kind of a way. And now, and somebody finally says to me, this guy finally says to me, he goes, Kaplan, why do you seem so out of sorts? What's going on with you today? And I look at my watch and I realize I've got 10 minutes until the Jim Rome show starts. And I'm not even anywhere near the show. So listen, I'm here. I'm happy to be here. I had a very, very bizarre dream about being late to the show. 
but we're here, we're on time, we're ready to roll. I think I think most of this is because on Tuesday night of this week, I was at a concert at the Great Western Forum. It's now called the Kia Forum. I mean, this is where the original Showtime Lakers played. And if you've been watching any of these shows, you know, from Winning Time on HBO Max to now the Legacy series on Hulu, you know, this is kind of like the original place where the Lakers, you know, called home before they moved into downtown L.A., And I went to this concert on Tuesday night, this Foo Fighters, Taylor Hawkins tribute concert. And dude, it's Tuesday night. I don't know about the rest of you guys. I generally don't go out on school nights. The concert started at 7 p.m. The concert ended at 1 a.m. And by the time I got out of the forum, got into this little party bus that me and a bunch of friends had taken, and I had driven back down to San Diego, I got into bed on Wednesday morning, I had to actually think about what day, Wednesday morning, 4 a.m., 4 a.m., had to be up early in the morning, 7 a.m. to get my daughter to school. So yesterday, I was a complete and utter disaster, and I think that contributed to these wild-ass dreams that I had last night. But here's what I can tell you. We're here. We're on the Rome Show. We're on radio. We're on TV. We're rolling, we're ready to go, and we have got a great, great day planned for you. I'll tell you this much right now. By the end of today's broadcast, I think all of us are going to be much smarter sports fans as we go into our weekend because we got a lot of interesting people that are going to stop by and talk a lot about some really big stories. So last night, I'm, uh, I'm sitting around because now I'm trying to like get my you-know-what together, And I'm watching this Aaron Judge situation. And if I'm being completely honest about it, you know, as someone who lives out west and works in San Diego and in Los Angeles, the fact of the matter is I don't really see that much Yankees baseball and I don't really go looking for Yankees baseball. But in particular, the last seven games or so where Aaron Judge was stuck at 60, that's when the chase for 61 and then beyond started to uh, really pique my interest. Last night, when Judge hits this home run. So, what is the fastest ball sport in the world? Not baseball, not tennis. In fact, it is the sport of high lie, spelled J-A-I-A-L-A-I, originating in the Basque region of Spain and played professionally in the U.S., most notably in the 1980s. High is making an unprecedented comeback. The ball reaches speeds of 150 miles per hour. The action is intense. The danger factor is high. Six-person teams of professional athletes play the sport at the Magic City Fronten in Miami, Florida. I invite you to check out all the action Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m. and Friday night at 7 p.m. Go to HighLightWorld.com or download the free Highlight app in the App Store. The sport with its intensity and athleticism is well worth watching. Check out all the action at HighlightWorld.com. Matches are played similar to tennis with a player or team required to win two sets to win a match. Each set is played up to six points. It is a sport you need to check out. HighlightWorld.com. Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m., Friday at 7 p.m. I think one of the most interesting parts about it is not just that he hit number 61. And by the way, I I had read this earlier today. I'm not so much into numerology, but Judge hits his 61st home run in 2022, tying Roger Maris's AL record of 61 home runs, which was set in 1961, which was 61 years ago from right now. 
Now, again, I'm not, I know it's a little cosmic, right? It's a little, it's a little, ooh, think of it. Aaron Judge, 61st home run, tying Roger Maris's record of 61 home runs, which happened in 1961, which is 61 years ago from right now. Yes, if you're into numerology, um, you may know more about it than I do, but uh, I did find that to be a little interesting, a little weird. So, um, listen, if you're a numerology expert, by the way, maybe you want to give a call. 1-800-636-8686. 1-800-636-8686 is the phone number. And clones, by the way, with all these great guests that I have coming up for you, there's still time for you today. I mean, there is plenty of time to get in between Jim Nance and Casey Stern talking baseball and Andrew Brandt talking football, Yogi Roth talking college football, and Dr. David Chow talking about NFL injuries. So, yeah, we got time for you today. And uh, if you want to hit me up on Twitter, it's at Scott Kaplan, K-A-P-L-A-N, because that's always kind of something that irritates me a little bit is when people misspell my name by calling it with a C rather than with a K. Because the other night when I showed up at the forum and I'm standing there trying to get my tickets at Will Call, I give them my driver's license. They're like, we got no tickets for you. I'm like, no, 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 you do. I promise you, you got tickets for me. They're like, no, we don't have tickets for you. I'm like, yes, you do. And then they found out. They, they misspelled the name. They went from the K to the C. And then, you know, of course, that, you know, creates a lot of problems for me, you know. So we got plenty of time. You want to tweet me, at Scott Kaplan. You want to Instagram me, at Scott Kaplan. And, uh, and if you're a clone around the country, come on in. Come on in. Get in today. So the thing about this Aaron Judge story, though, and I'll get into it, what I love about this story and I find so funny is how we, the media, We'll cover this not only from a look at the historical accomplishment that this guy just, you know, what he just accomplished, accomplishment, accomplished, right. Uh, but also, I love the story of the Blue Jays fan out in left field who goes to make the catch. Bro, you got to lay out for that ball, okay? You're a grown-ass man, and you brought a baseball glove to a Major League Baseball game. Normal circumstances, I got a problem with that. Okay, I think that if you are a fan and you're a grown up, you show up with no glove and you catch the ball barehanded. I'm a barehanded guy. I like the guy in the stands that's holding on to the baby in one hand and the beer in the other hand and has to like put the baby down for a second to make the grab. But I will grant you that on a night where you're hoping to catch history, go ahead, bring your mitt, bring your glove, work it in, put in some oil. I mean, dude, make sure that thing is ready to go. But the guy who's out there in left field last night who is leaning over the rail, bro, you got to make that catch. You got to make that play. That's all I'm saying. People, the way it's covered is this guy just lost millions of dollars. If he makes the catch, he's holding on to history. He's going to make millions of dollars. Really? Because to me, I'll tell you this right now, I don't care if it's 61. I don't care if it's 62. I don't care if it's Barry Bonds 73. I think the right thing and the class thing to do is go, I made the play. I'm going to meet Aaron Judge. I'm going to take pictures. I'm getting a signed bat, a jersey. I'm high-fiving mom, whatever it is. Give that ball back. So the way it's covered is that if this guy makes this catch, he's now got millions of dollars in his hands, and he doesn't make the catch, and up in smoke it goes. So... All right, we'll get into that. We got a lot of stuff that we want to get to today. Baseball's on the mind. Uh, the races that are going on around baseball, for me, I watched the Dodgers and the Padres, and I stayed up late last night, although I will admit it. 
You know, the Dodgers took a one nothing lead in the top of the tenth. I had my phone next to my bed. I told you I was already completely like panicked about being on time. I fell asleep. But the Dodgers did win the game last night. We'll talk about that with Casey Stern and. The Mets and the Braves coming up this weekend is an absolute monster series that's going to decide that division. So we'll get to all of that coming up. We are officially underway. Thank you, Albie. I can hear some Foo Fighters. I was over at that Foo Fighters concert just the other night, Tuesday night till 4 o'clock in the morning. A tribute to Taylor Hawkins. The absolute greatest rock and roll event that I've ever been to, that I'll ever be to. I don't think we'll ever see anything quite like this again. I'll tell you more about it as the afternoon goes on. I've kind of set it all up for you. You know where my head's at. If you're listening on radio, happy to have you along. If you're watching on CBS Sports Network on TV, trying to look sharp today. My makeup is a whole lot better than my makeup yesterday. You can check my Twitter timeline. You'll get what I'm talking about. We are officially underway. So I've got kind of a personal question for you fellas. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day? Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48-hour sweat and odor protection. Big number, right? 48 hours. Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and clean on your skin, and it's quick, and it's easy to use, especially when you're on the move. On top of that, Dove Men Dry Spray contains Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. Thus, it leaves your skin feeling comfortable and it helps to protect your skin. What I'm saying to you is this is a great product that does a lot of things really well. So make sure you try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry, clean feel, all day. What's going on, clones? Scott Kaplan in for Jim Rome today. Love having the opportunity to host the Jim Rome Show. Shout out to Garrett, Alvy, and crew, and Jim for having me in. KK, you know who you are. Uh, really love being here today. Happy to be on the radio all around the country. Happy to be on CBS Sports Network. Alvy, turn that up for a quick sec. Uh, 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 uh. Shout out to Coolio and his family. Yesterday, we find out the news that Coolio dies at 59 years old. Bro, that is way too early. Obviously. I don't know about the rest of you guys, man, but I'm now 52. I know, I know you're looking on TV right now and you're going, there's no way. There's no way you're 52. 28, 29. It's the makeup, dude. It's the makeup. But 59, like I'm 52 now and anything like feels wrong. I'm like, oh no, something's wrong. Oh no, what's what's going on here? So it scares you, dude. Shout out to Coolio, his family, his fans, his legacy. Yeah, come on, one time, turn it up. Is everybody jamming like I am right now? A lot of people give me a hard time. They don't think I got good dance moves. I mean, they're kind of like bar mitzvah dance moves. I acknowledge that. But I'm feeling it. All right, some early reaction here to the jungle. Uh, let's see here. Uh, this is from Wooden Laconic. I, I, dude, I don't know how to say this. Um, if you would have paired your shorts with a nice turtleneck, Jim would have been on board. Know your room, bro. Fair? Okay, that's a fair point. I, mean, I was wearing the shorts last time I was hosting Jim Rome, and Jim called me and said, dude, really? For reals? Like, you really honestly wore shorts to my show? 
Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Um, here's Steve in H-Town. Wore that adult in Toronto that showed up to a baseball game with a uniform and a glove but couldn't snag the line drive. <laughs> Dude, that's what I'm talking about. Aaron Judge hits that home run. There is a grown man in left field wearing a Blue Jays uniform, and he's got his glove. And it, it, this was not something he had just gone and bought, man. You could tell this was the glove he had from his Little League days because I still got mine too, man. I get it. Like, gloves are those things that you just never get rid of. That guy had that glove forever. That thing was fully broken in. There is absolutely no excuse for that dude in Toronto for not making that play. Look, I get it. We get a little older. We're not as flexible. Maybe we didn't go through proper calisthenics and warm-ups, right? Um, maybe our belly's a little bit bigger. Maybe we've been pounding a couple of beers. And, yeah, there's a rail right in front of us. But when you brought your glove and you got your seat in left field and your intention was to catch that ball, and here it comes. Oh, my God, here it comes. And this was not some towering fly ball. This thing wasn't in the air for six seconds. It didn't have hang time, right? This thing jumped off the bat. The exit velocity was like 500 miles an hour. And this thing was coming at this guy, and this dude totally panicked. Just panicked. Didn't make the grab. I get it. Uh, here's Canadian Hitman. If that had been a hockey puck, he would have caught it. Signed Canada. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we're all looking at the video right now. We're looking at the video on, on the television side of things. So if you're a radio listener, you'll have to come find us on TV. But here, let, let's take a listen to what took place last night in Toronto when Aaron Judge hit his 61st home run. And the payoff. There goes the deep left, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Number 61, he ties Roger Maris for the American League single season record with 61 home runs. It's a two-run judgey and blast. Here comes the judge. A two-run blast, and the Yankees take a 5-3 lead on number 61 for Judge. You got to make that play, bro. That's all I'm saying. You got to make that play. I feel pretty good that I would have made that play. Now, of course, I'm saying that, but I'm sitting here, and I'm also the guy that thinks that grown men should not bring baseball gloves to baseball games. I think you should make the play with a bare hand, but I will say there is an exception to every rule, and if you think that you are in a position to catch a historic home run ball, I'll grant you, 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 you could bring your glove. That's fine. But if you got your glove on and you got a uniform on and you're in perfect position, bro, you got to make that play. You got to lay out. There was a guy, do you guys remember a couple years ago? There's a couple. This is probably a long time ago. You remember the guy, there was a Chicago Bears football game and there's a guy in the stands and a field goal gets kicked and the dude jumps out of the stands and catches the ball like in midair. Do you guys remember that? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's making a play, bro. That's making a play. This guy needed to make that play last night. He didn't get it done. And I'm still thinking about perhaps a numerology expert out there, somebody who can get into the cosmic side of what happened last night. Ooh, it's cosmic. Aaron Judge hits his 61st home run in 2022, tying Roger Maris's record of 61 home runs that was hit in 1961, and that was 61 years ago. And speaking of Roger Maris for a minute, before we turn our attentions into some football stuff, and Jim Nance is going to join us in about uh, 13 minutes or so. Roger Maris's son was sitting there at the game last night with Aaron Judge's mom. And um, here's Roger Maris's son after the game, what he thought about Judge's tying home run with his dad. 
I think it means a lot, and it's not just for me. I think it means a lot for a lot of people, you know, that uh, he's clean, he's a Yankee, he plays the game the right way, and, uh, you know, I think it gives people a chance to look at somebody who, uh, you know, should be revered for hitting 62 home runs and not just as a, a guy who did it in the American League. He should be revered for, you know, being the actual single-season home run champ. I mean, that's really who he is if he hits 62, and uh, and I think that's what needs to happen. I think baseball needs to look at the records, and I think baseball should do something. Can I just say that I um, respectfully submit this opinion to Roger Maris's son? Strong disagree. Hey, small business owners, listen up. You may have overpaid on your payroll taxes during COVID. Now, for years, big businesses have benefited from government tax credits. Now it is your turn to reap the benefits. If you employed five to 500 employees and you paid payroll taxes during COVID, you may be eligible for an employee tax credit refund of up to $26,000 per employee. To find out if you do qualify, call Omega Accounting Solutions right now trusted advisors and champions for america's small businesses omega has a perfect turnkey erc process so much so they can tell you if you qualify for the erc in 10 minutes or less a quick and easy and painless process omega is highly rated by the better business bureau and tax experts alike Tax advisors even turn to Omega for their ERC advice. And since this exclusive tax credit will not be around forever, you want to pick up the phone and you want to chat with a seasoned advisor and you want to do it right now. It is not too late to file. Get the money the government owes you before the filing window closes or funds run out. Talk to an Omega expert right now by calling 800-704-2000 or go to Omega taxcredits.com. Strong disagree, man. I get it. I understand, you know, this record stood from 1961 until 2001. Well, actually, even before that. I mean, you can go back to the the late 90s, the race of Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. I mean, in 1999, I mean, I don't know about the rest of you guys. I know exactly where I was when I remember Mark McGuire hitting number 62 at the time. But Sammy Sosa did it in in 99. Uh, Mark McGuire did it. And when you look at the home run totals of all time, Bonds at number one in 2001 with 73 home runs, McGuire in 98 with 70, Sosa in 98 with 66, so pardon my whole chronology of years and everything, McGuire in 99 with 65, Sosa with 64 in 2001, on and on and on. The point is, is that the top guys in the history of baseball, Bonds, McGuire, Sosa, McGuire, Sosa, Sosa. Then you get to number seven, and that's Roger Maris, 61 home runs in 1961, and now Aaron Judge is tied, and he just surpassed Babe Ruth, who had 60 in 1927. Listen, um, I understand the whole family thing. This was our dad, and, and you know he's a legend, and 1961 stood for such a long time. And all the names in front, Bonds, McGuire, Sosa, those names in particular, that those names, those guys were part of the steroid era. So... You hear a guy like Roger Maris's kid say, he's clean, he does it the right way, baseball should look at the records. Disagree. Disagree. Um, yeah, those guys were all juiced up. And yeah, those guys were hitting monster bombs. couple thoughts, though. 
One, they brought a lot of us back to baseball because I don't know about the rest of you guys, but in the mid-90s when baseball went on strike and there was no World Series, dude, I was out until the, until the home run chase. Seriously. It took four or five years for somebody like myself who's football first guy, football meathead guy. It took me years to come back to baseball, and it was the home run chase that did it. That's number one. And number two, I never really cared about what guys were putting in their body. Pump yourself up. Get yourself all big and strong and juiced up. Ball still got to hit the bat. So... I understand why Roger Maris' son feels that way, but I'm just going to say to you right now, strong, strong disagree. I don't think baseball needs to look at the records. I think baseball generally, um, as a community, has penalized Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, these kinds of guys. They've already penalized these guys because they're not getting into the Hall of Fame, even though I'm still of the opinion that these guys are Hall of Famers. But I'm not a baseball purist, so um, I know that really bothers a lot of the baseball purist types. That ain't me, man. That's not me. All right, listen. Um, I want to start prepping for Thursday night football. Miami against Cincinnati tonight. Here's what I want to say about Tua. So many doubters about Tua coming into this season. But if you really look back on Tua's career, injured when he was at Alabama, still a first-round draft choice, and the first two years of his career, lots of injuries that he's dealing with and a lot of games that he's missing. I love what Tua is doing in the first three games of the season, showing the NFL who he was at Alabama. Why was it a guy like Tua could replace a guy like Jalen Hurts, who's already a champion and an All-American? How do you replace a guy with those credentials with a kid freshman quarterback? And this is the Alabama Tua so many of us were expecting. So tonight, Miami, Cincinnati, can't wait for this game. Is Joe Burrow and this Cincinnati offensive line going to get it together? Because if they don't, they're going to get this guy hurt again. Remember, in his rookie season, he was hurt real, real early with a knee problem. they got to protect this guy. I like Miami. I took Miami last week against Buffalo. Probably an easy thing to say now, but documented. I sound like a tout, don't I? It's documented on my website. Look, I like Miami. Um, If Tua's healthy tonight, I'm a Miami fan. I like what they got going on. But if you're Cincinnati, you got you got to win this game. You got to even your record up. And we'll talk about this Tua injury and all the controversy around it a little bit later on with Dr. David Chow from Sports Injury Central, who will be here. And let me just say one thing about tonight's game. It's on Amazon Prime. I know how many of you guys out there have fetched and complained. I can't figure out Amazon Prime. Dude, trust me. If I can figure it out, you can figure it out. I downloaded the Prime uh, app on my phone and I somehow remembered my password or I may have used like one of those codes that you click on, on the TV monitor. If I can figure it out, you can figure it out. So for everybody that complains, I can't figure out Amazon Prime. Yes, you can. I am living proof. And by the way, as far as this broadcast is concerned, we all expect A plus from Al Michaels. But I kind of went into this thinking Kirk Herbstreet is a little too college football typecast. Wrong. Wrong. I am. Uh, I will tell you right now, I think Kirk Herbstreet and Al Michaels, I love the team. So for someone like myself who thought, ah, Kirk, I think of him as college game day on ESPN. I think of him as all the big college football games on Saturday night. I love the pairing of Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet. So pumped up for tonight's game. We got a lot of football to get to. As a matter of fact, Jim Nance from CBS Sports. We'll be joining us coming up. Talk to Jim about his game this weekend. Jim has New England at Green Bay. We'll talk to Jim about that. 
Alvy, you're playing some Rush. I was mentioning that I was over at the L.A. Forum, now called the Kia Forum, used to be the Great Western Forum, Showtime Lakers home for all those years. Saw this Taylor Hawkins tribute show on Tuesday night that Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters put on. Dude, all of a sudden Rush hits the stage. When are you ever going to be at a concert with Queen and Rush and Alanis Morissette and Foo Fighters and Wolfgang Van Halen and... I mean, just the list went on and on and on. So we'll be playing songs from that concert. Hey now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Of course. Can I tell you, I'm starving after every workout. So this time, do not make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender. And it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously. And you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried out, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness. Teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those who like to take things up a notch. So next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see exactly what you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, clones, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? Scott Kaplan in for Jim Rome and getting set for Jim Nance, the lead play-by-play voice of the NFL on CBS. I don't want to waste any of Jim Nance's time, so I'm getting right to him. Jim, good afternoon. How are you? Hello, my brother. How are you? Hello, friends. It's always, always a great pleasure to be on the radio with you because you are the best. Well, I don't know. I'm kind of sitting in for the best right now. You know what I'm saying? Well, we love Jim, but, you know, I have a a very, very long-standing close friendship with you. So that at the moment is a tiebreaker. Romy and I have not had that kind of time together. So uh, great regard for you. You know that. So let's get to it. What's up? Well, let's start it off with this. Um, I want to hear first and foremost, I'm sure you're prepping for your game this weekend, New England and Green Bay. Um, what do you think? Um, are we going to are we gonna see the quarterback? Because, I mean, listening to Coach Belichick, it's just day by day, day by day, day by day. What do you know? Uh, I know as much as you know. And probably I know as much as Mac Jones knows right now. So uh, I'll put it this way. I have called more Belichick games than anyone, and I'm, I'm kind of proud of that because we are the AFC Network. So my last count, according to Stacey James, their extraordinary uh, senior vice president of communication, is I'm now over 100 Belichick games, um, which is about 40 more than the next closest all time. And... Um, yeah, so all I can say is that when it comes to injuries, that's not something that they're going to give up a lot of information about that. And that's okay. Uh, you know, you kind of go with your hunches here. It sounded like it was a severe enough injury that it'll be Hoyer. It's going to be a tough assignment no matter who it is, whether it's Hoyer or whether it's uh, Mac at quarterback, because you're going to come into Lambeau and you got a Green Bay team that just like a year ago stumbled week one and then started to kick things in gear and they're coming off a big win at Tampa. 
Jim, um, I'm curious how many, I, mean, I don't know if you know this or not, but I mean, have you done a lot of Green Bay games? I can remember a game a few years ago because it was too damn cold in the stands, and I, I said, can I come up into the booth? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and Green Bay was, was hosting at the time San Diego. But do you, have you had a lot of, of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers over the course of the last, call it 15 years? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I, I started doing the NFL on CBS uh, in 19, well, actually, uh, here and there, a smattering of games in the 80s because I was the college football studio host. So I go back into the 80s. But in the early 90s, 91, 2, and 3, I did the second team at CBS behind Pat and John, um, Summer All and Madden. And then, of course, we were out of the NFL for a while. When we got back, I was in the studio. Short of it is I've been calling the league game uh, with Phil Sims and Tony since 2004, 2003. And you can pretty much bank on it's two a year. We, the, the league would give us uh, two, two Green Bay home games a year. You know, uh, AFC at NFC most of the occasions. But um, um, like this one is New England, we travel with the AFC team. So what would that be? Two times 19, I guess, something like that. Yeah, so, so we're pushing 40. I've been somewhere close to 40 times in Lambeau Field, and I've had a lot of them where it's been miserable weather. Like that one was kind of half sleet, half snow when, right. when the Chargers were in there, and you were bundled up in the back of the booth and crying <laughs> like a baby. <laughs> hey, I am, uh, I am fair weather, man. I mean, that's, that's the way I am. I admit that. So as far as Green Bay goes, though, as you're, as you're watching them and you're researching and you're prepping for this game, pretty impressive last week the way they went down to Tampa and got it done. Now, look, I know Tampa's got plenty of injury issues, but still, to go on the road inside the conference against Tom Brady – uh, it's an impressive win. I think people were kind of down on the Packers coming into the season because they lost Devontae Adams in the first week when uh, Aaron Rodgers was looking around going, this is who you've given me to throw the ball to. But a nice recovery for the Packers here at 2-1. What do you see? I, I, first off, I think that that's a testament to their defense last week. You know, they went out and took two guys in the first round uh, with defense. And uh, I know that the Bucks offensively aren't who they're going to be without Evans last week, without Godwin uh, you know, they they were really thin, and that offensive line is a work in progress at Tampa. But still, to hold them to uh, only field goals until the last minute of regulation and then withstand the two-point attempt, uh, I, I think Green Bay has shored up that side. On the offensive side, Aaron is Aaron. I mean, there's physically, you know, he's a freak as far as arm talent and what he does on the field. I love watching him play. And then you got that tandem of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon I mean, everybody would love to have those two. And, and, yeah, they've got to develop the outside. It looks like Dobbs is coming along really quickly, a little faster than Watson. But, you know, Watson dropped on, like, the first play of the season, a 75-yard touchdown. Right. Had he caught it, he'd probably be in a totally different place through three weeks. Yep. The kid's got talent. He's got game. I think they're going to just be totally fine on the outside. And, you know, I think the playoffs are going to be, you know, back in it again. There will be some pivotal games in Green Bay and – you know, one of these years, they've got to win these games at Lambeau Field in January. Jim Nance, the lead play-by-play voice of CBS Sports, is here. He'll be calling the game this weekend between Green Bay, who's hosting New England. Hey, Jim, just a couple of opinions. Um, let me get from you. What do you think Miami and Cincinnati tonight? I am a Tua believer. A lot of injuries early in his career. Came into the league hurt. The spectacular comeback in Week 2 against Baltimore. And as far as Cincinnati, the defending AFC champions had a lot of problems on the offensive line so far, and Joe Burrow's taken a lot of hits. What do you think about tonight? 
Yeah, it's a good one. It's hard to say. I mean, it's kind of hard to imagine that Cincinnati's not going to rise to the occasion uh, and, and, and fall to one and three. I had them week two at Dallas. Now, no one, no one saw that, that result coming with you know, Cooper taking over for Dak uh, in the first game immediately after the thumb injury to Prescott. Um, they, they've, got, they've got issues on the offensive line. That, you know, again, they're a work in progress. On the Miami side, I love what Tua's doing because I've always loved the guy, the athlete that people gang up on mm-hmm. and tell you that the guy can't get it done. Yep. I mean, in the history of my 40-year history at CBS, nearly 40 years, the number of athletes who have been dogged and publicly flogged and people saying they are not going to – he's a failure, he's going to be a flop, and, and, you know, they end up rising above all that and becoming, you know, a, a, a truly great player. I'm not saying he's great yet, but he has now withstood an onslaught of people second-guessing what they were doing, his ability to play in this league, and his six-touchdown performance, including four in the fourth quarter against Baltimore, I think put an end to all those bandwagon second-guessers. And uh, well, we'll see tonight. You know, they, they, they've got to travel. And, um, you know, the, the whole Thursday thing, I, I called Thursday Night Football for four years, so I know what it feels like. It's, um, I don't know. If Miami wins this game, man, look out. I mean, to be 4-0, wow. Yeah. And some of these wins they would have had at Cincinnati, at Baltimore, beating Buffalo, whew. Right. I mean, it might send it might send Tony and uh, Tony and I might be spending some time at Joe Stone Crab this. this <laughs> well, hey, listen, the the hype train was all on Kansas City and Buffalo, and then Miami beat Buffalo last week, and Indianapolis. I feel like kind of shocked the world because they were beat twenty four nothing the week before by Jacksonville, and for them to come back and beat Kansas City, I'd love to hear what you think. Kansas City is at Tampa. We just talked about Tampa a second ago, and Kansas City losing that game. I mean, this is, I mean, what a battle of these two star quarterbacks. What do you make of this one? KC at Tampa Bay. I like Bay. Kansas City in this game. I, of course, we don't know where it's going to be played. Um, that's still to be determined whether it's Tampa or Minneapolis. But uh, I did that game last week in Indianapolis. Special teams. Of course, they have one of the legendary special teams coaches of all time um, at, at KC. But Sky Moore made a couple of really big blunders early in that game and set up the Colts. Uh, with some positivity early, and it was a game changer. And then Chris Jones made a you know a, a really fatal mistake for the Chiefs in that game by by getting hit with an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. It was at the uh, at the point where they were going to have to punt the football and maybe never would have seen the football again. So you know that's the NFL. That's why we don't know what's going to happen with Green Bay and New England, regardless of who starts. But we went into that game. Everybody's telling us, well, why are you guys at that game? It was a terrible game. Mm-hmm. Well, it ended up being an upset. And, you know, Matt and uh, the Colts put together this eight-minute, 14-second drive, aided by the penalty on Jones, and they beat KC. I expect KC's going to come back, and I just don't think Tampa's there yet right now. I think they will be eventually, but I think KC is really good. I think they're better than they were a year ago. They have definitely improved themselves on defense. They're faster. They're very young. They've got seven guys on defense. Now, they don't, don't make the, the game day roster, but the, they've got seven rookies that are going to be a part of this defense this season. And it's a completely different uh, kind of vibe around uh, KC with this young, fast, hungry bunch. And uh, I, I think KC will be right there when it's all said and done at the end of the year. And maybe even hosting for the fifth year in a row the, the AFC championship game. 
Jim Nance, I got one more for you before we roll. Um, I really love the fact that I've hit on all the games that you've done so far and all the teams that you've seen, but you following Denver is at the Raiders this weekend, and I got to say, for all the criticism Denver's received, they are 2-1, and one, and the Raiders desperate right now for a win at 0-3. I don't know if you've had a chance to take a look at these guys or maybe just have like a global opinion. we got about a minute and a half to go, but what do you make of this one? Uh, it's it's totally a global opinion because they have not had uh, either one of these two teams, and we we know the Raiders are the only winless team. Never would have guessed that they could have won all three of their games, and that's what's really frustrating. The Arizona game was a complete debacle to lose that one, um, but you know the, the Cleveland could be saying the same thing about the game against the Jets. Right. I mean, the, the drama that's come out of this league the first three weeks of the season it's outrageously brilliant and great. Um, I, I kind of in this spot would go with the desperate team. Uh, I don't normally make picks, but I think there's a lot of talent at the Raiders. I, yeah. I am a little bit at a loss as to why in one game Devontae Adams has two catches. And, uh, you know, you got, you got Waller there. And, you know, I know Rimpro got banged up uh, in, in the Arizona game. But uh, there's some talent. There's definitely talent there. I've known Josh McDaniels forever. And uh, I just can't imagine them being 0-4. I know. I know. It's hard to believe. And here he is back on the Jim Rome Show. Casey Stern is here. Hey, Casey, how are you today, man? Scotty, what's going on, man? How you doing? Okay? I'm doing really good. It's funny because last night I was really dragging and I was trying to get to sleep early, but I was following on your Twitter timeline. And I believe you went into an emergency podcast mode last night. And I was like, oh, man, if he's up doing, like, game analysis now, I better stay up to watch this Dodgers-Padres game, which I made almost till the very end. Casey, um, I want to throw a whole bunch of stuff your way, and I want you to comment if you could. You ready to go? Sure, let's go. All right, let me start off with the teams that I follow, the Dodgers and the Padres. Two nights ago, the Dodgers, Craig Kimbrell, Walk off, walk for the Padres. Start me off with this. Is Craig Kimbrell the best option the Dodgers have at closer? I think there's an argument to be made. He may not even be on the postseason roster. Well, you, you look, the sad part is I can't remember, and you could go in the way back machine, the last time where we've had this whole closer by committee, even though saves have changed the way we look at the status different than we used to, now you can use high leverage situations and obviously match up more than we used to in the past with analytics. Uh, I remember a situation covering years ago where Tony La Russa had put Jason Mott kind of into that role before a postseason run and not ever really officially named he was the closer. But other than that, I can't even think of one where you've got a closer by committee and you have any level of success. The Dodgers have a big problem with all the injuries that they have and not having, you know, the names like trying in the bullpen and having, you know, to use, you know, May and guys in different spots and now he's hurt again. They have really not had a lot of places to go to. They've had some good success overall in that bullpen, but when it comes down to it and you need big outs, they don't have the Edwin Diaz in the back end like the Mets do, and I think it's a big cause for concern. I think he'll be on the roster, but Craig Kimball's never been a good postseason pitcher, even when he's had great years. How the heck is he going to pitch in the postseason when he's having a year where you can't trust him in the middle of the season? Uh, not a guy I wanted to hand the ball to in a ninth inning come October. And I don't think Dave Roberts in that spot either. Yeah, and I think two nights ago when he walked in the run, bases were loaded and he walks in the winning run for the Padres, 
he had this body language and this look like, just please, somebody put me out of my misery and get me out of here. Let me talk to you about the other side of it because the Padres won two nights ago with the walk-off walk that we're talking about. And then last night, the Dodgers come back in a 0-0 ball game and, and wind up winning the game in the 10th inning. Tell me this. Do the Padres, in your opinion, pose any threat? And I don't just mean to the Dodgers, but given all of the noise they made in the middle of the season, do they pose any postseason threat from your opinion? No. To me, not really. I I think clearly the have and the have-nots world is more of an NBA thing than a baseball thing. 2010, Phillies is big favorites for anybody who remembers as really there ever was. I mean, you could argue it was a better team than the ones that they had when they were in the World Series and won it in 08, when they were in it and lost it to the Yankees in 09, and they get knocked off in the first round. The Dodgers in 2019, heavy favorites. The Nationals knocked them off on the road. So we see kind of an anything-can-happen scenario usually in baseball, but not this year. The Astros in the American League are clearly the cream of the crop. I think the Yankees could be dangerous, theoretically, and I think the Jays are. I think in the National League, the top three teams have been really bell-to-bell in whatever order, the Dodgers, the Braves, and the Mets. And while I think you always got to prepare for the Cardinals if they can pitch enough, which is a big question for me because you do have guys like Arenado, Goldschmidt, two MVP candidates. you got the likes of Pujols and the run he's been on. And they're the Cardinals. They always seem to kind of do it when you don't expect it. I don't know how many postseasons I found myself sitting. I can't believe I'm sitting here freezing my ass up in St. Louis again. Mm-hmm. So they kind of seem to do that. But I don't think that the Cardinals, the Padres, the Phillies, if they're able to get in and they've been collapsing, or the Brewers, if they sneak in, have any chance to get in the way of the National League being about the Dodgers, the Braves, or the Mets. One of those three teams will represent Vienna in the World Series. All right, good. I'm glad you said that because that's where I wanted to go next. We're talking to Casey Stern. You must listen to his podcast. It's called Unfiltered. It's part of the Believe Podcast Network. And if you are a baseball fan, this is the go-to guy. So, Casey, let me ask you this. Uh, Baseball, for me, I have to make this admission to you, is a very regionalized thing. I follow the Dodgers, the Padres, and early in the season, I followed the Angels until that all fell apart, and they really didn't have any anything that told me that they were going to do anything this season. But I hear from all the national baseball writer types and, and the people that cover the game that the Braves and the Mets do pose a legitimate threat to the Dodgers. Again, when you follow your team and only your team, you kind of start to believe hey, the Dodgers are easily going to win this World Series or the Padres are, are going to make some noise. So you tell me. First of all, there's a huge series coming up this weekend between the Mets and the Braves that's going to decide the division. So start us with that. But then let's talk about these two teams. Again, for those of us, particularly on the West Coast, that don't really get to see them or don't really have a great appreciation for how good these teams are. Start us off with the Mets and the Braves this weekend. Yeah, look, I think you know, clearly right now the Mets have a one-game lead. You know, you're sitting there. And you're talking about a team that's won, you know, 98 games. I mean, you know, both these teams going to 100. I think the loser of this division, just so you know, is going to sit in a wild card spot, and that's not going to be fun. But I think these two teams are going to match up in the NLCS, and I think the Braves and the Mets, whoever has to play the Dodgers, is going to beat them. So not only do I think that they can match up, but I think they'll beat them. The Mets, you go back about five, six weeks ago, really the last time the Dodgers have played a meaningful game, because they've had this wrapped up so long, they had a series against the Mets, with everybody paying attention, two of the games on national TV, and the Mets took two out of three. What the Mets and the Braves both offer that really pose big issues for the Dodgers is the depth of their starting pitching. The Dodgers have been able to somehow have an unbelievable amount of run differential, 300-plus, with all their injuries. But the best pitchers always beat the best hitters in a postseason. It's just the way it is. 
And when you've got, even with the Strider injury right now with the Braves, the situation that they've got in their rotation with Max Fried is good. You know, look, he's one of the best lefties in the game. Kyle Wright, I know it's not all about wins, but he's deservedly so, a 20-game winner. And Charlie Morton, who's been a big-game guy really for the last 10 years, doesn't get enough credit for that. And you've got the Mets. You've got Jacob deGrom, who's clearly the best pitcher in the baseball. Max Scherzer, who would have something to say about that, who's sitting there with a 2-1 ERA. And Chris Bassett, who's been as underrated as anybody. And don't forget the Mets on the back end, who's a difference maker, have the best closer in the sport, Ned Edwin Diaz, who's making people look silly at the plate. I think the Mets and the Braves and the depth of those two pitching staff, because of how important that becomes when you get to a postseason, I think either one, whoever plays the Dodgers in that set, to get to an LCS, we'll play the other and beat L.A. I think it's going to be Braves and Mets in the LCS. All right, Casey Stern is here. Uh, this is Scott Kaplan filling in for Jim Rome today on the CBS Sports Radio Network and also on the CBS Sports Network on television. Casey, uh, let's move over to the American League side. Obviously, the big story today is what Aaron Judge did last night, although I'm a little consumed with the guy wearing the Blue Jays uniform and uh, the grown man with the baseball glove that's reaching over the rail that does not make the play, that can't catch that ball. Uh, But the big story, obviously, is the Yankees, Aaron Judge getting to 61. Will he get to 62? You've already said you think Houston is far and away the class of the American League, so do the Yankees then pose a real threat to the Astros, the way you see it? You know, I, I, I tend to think no, because really when you go back to depth of pitching and where that plays out, it's another issue the Yankees have. And let's be fair, in a lot of different spots, Yankee fans are the first to tell you Garrett Cole has not been as good as he needs to be, especially for what he's getting paid. I think they're in a better spot now than they were three, four weeks ago, because there was a time period where Aaron Judge, who's been, you want to talk about valuable, and put that B in MVP, was not sitting there with a typical Yankee team scout where you get like six guys that are great, three of them are future Hall of Famers. He had a Stanton who was back off injury, still hurt, popping up every time. Josh Donaldson is still the way he is defensively and is great, but not nearly the offensive player he used to be. And a lot of kind of nobody else. There was really no reason to pitch to Aaron Judge other than when he let off the game. Now that Anthony Rizzo is back healthy, Stanton's been around a little bit longer, hit that walk-off grand slam in that inning where Judge ended up getting his 60th. You've got uh, some of these young kids like Cabrera have kind of stepped up. They're in a better spot, but I think when you look at the Astros, it really the biggest key people need to key in on and pay attention to is the difference in this sport in a five- and a seven-game series. So back to what I said about 2019, the Nationals play the Dodgers in that series in seven. The Nats aren't having bumpy roads to beautiful places. The Dodgers would have gotten to the World Series instead. The Giants wouldn't have beaten the Phillies in seven in 2010. When you get into a spot of a five-game series, especially when you're talking about momentum versus layoff, which is what we're going to be dealing with, especially with this extra playoff round, the Astros are much more susceptible to be knocked off in five than they would be in seven games. And to me, if you're looking at Houston, you've got to get them in five. In seven, it's going to be difficult to knock them off. It's going to be difficult for the NL teams they face in a World Series to knock that team off in seven games. All right, Casey Stern is here. Case, last thing on the American League side of things. Houston's got 102 wins, so we look at them as the class. We're all paying attention to the Yankees because of Judge. I've got a whole bunch of Cleveland friends. Shout out to my friend Lindsey Baseball, who's been trying to sell me on the Cleveland Guardians because of the style of play. Does Cleveland, do do they fit into this equation anywhere? Their blueprint and their style of play are the Kansas City Royals who went back-to-back into a World Series and without Madison Bumgarner and arguably as good a playoff performance from a pitcher as we've ever seen in a game in a World Series, they would have won two. And that's because they found a way to, to make contact, to drive pitchers crazy, to rally without a home run. 
Cleveland, the best thing they got going for them is their belief, and a lot of that comes from their Hall of Fame manager in Terry Francona, who Tito's going to end up there someday. We're talking about one of the best to ever do it. He's always got that team ready, and his team in Cleveland, you go back to 2015 and 16, the runs that they made, they weren't expected to do much of anything either, and they did. I think Bieber's got to be great. You know, they've got a dude in Class A at the back end who's probably outside of Diaz, the best closer in the sport. I, I, I question for me whether or not their hitters can hit the best pitching. Jimenez is still a kid. Ahmed Rosario, some of these guys that they have, if they go up against the Garrett Coles and the Verlanders and the Valdezes and some of these guys they face, are they going to be able to get big knocks? I don't think they're going to get enough of them to do some damage. I think the Jays are the team outside of Houston and outside of New York that everybody better pay attention to because I would not be surprised if Toronto found them way, they found their way to a league championship series. It wouldn't shock me at all. All right, Casey Stern. You can follow him on Twitter at Casey Stern. That's C-A-S-E-Y, Casey Stern. And if you are a baseball fan, I think you just heard it. Uh, this guy, he is all over it. You should definitely check out his podcast called Unfiltered. Casey, great to talk to you. As Jim would say, phenomenal, outstanding. <laughs> That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good impression too. Uh, yeah, my pleasure, man. Anytime, anytime. Appreciate you, Casey. There's Casey Stern stopping by. This is the Jim Rome Show. I'm Scott Kaplan sitting in for Jim today. Good night, now.